this Psalm 42 is uh, quite, uh, quite gripping. The first couple of verses, we see the tremendous thirst for God as the heart panteth after the water brook. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now you might wonder, well, how, how far would he take this? What's the degree of his desire? Verse 3, he says, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? And so, in all of his daily living here, he's really wanting to be close to God. When was the last time you felt that way in your heart toward the Lord? Oh, you know he's there, but how much do you cry for him and hunger and thirst to be near God? We do need revival, don't you think? The man, the psalmist who wrote this, experienced revival, I believe. Well, today, it's, it's not uh, Remembrance Day. It, tomorrow is Remembrance Day, but for us, it's Remembrance Sunday. And we like to, to um, sort of make it our Remembrance Day. Today, I want to speak with you on the subject, Don't Forget to Remember. Don't forget to remember. First, we'll have a word of prayer. Our Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for special closeness. The psalmist hungered and thirsted, I think literally cried tears in his desire to be so close to you. And there's a man who really had a desire to know you and to be near you. And may his desire be our desire today. And help us by remembering, by remembering you and your goodness. Lord, may we catch this same desire. O Heavenly Father, minister to our hearts today out of your word. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, tomorrow is the big day, actually. It was originated by King George V of England in accordance with the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, November 11th. That was back in 1919. It's when the hostilities of World War I formally were ended. They called it Armistice Day. The word armistice means the laying down of arms. Armistice Day, and it was meant to commemorate the uh, lives of the brave men and women in World War I. World War I was supposed to be the war to end all wars. That's what they called it. It was hailed as the war to end all wars. But after World War II, the nations took another look at the Armistice Day and they, they, they loved it, they wanted it, but they thought that they need to rename it. And so the Americans renamed it Veterans Day. And here in Canada, we renamed it Remembrance Day. Now we can remember everyone who died in every war, I suppose. Now as for myself, as the years go by, and I learn more and more what, a, what it costs, what it really costs to live in a free country, a country where we're free to vote, we can elect our own leaders. A country where a man can get a fair trial in a court of law. A country where people are free to worship God. 
I become increasingly more thankful to God for the brave men and women who fought and continue to fight for freedom. God, keep our land glorious and free. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Remembrance Day is an important part of the year, and it's an important piece of heritage that we need to transmit and hand down to future generations, lest they forget. Now, the ability to remember is, in my opinion, a gift from God. I know of people that as the years go by, their memories get weaker and weaker. They remember less and less. It's a common phenomena, isn't it? Developing a good memory, I think, is a good thing to do. Every one of us has some amount of memory, and it's good to develop a good memory. And why is that? Because there are many things that we need to remember. We can't afford to forget to remember certain things. You know, I looked in the Bible and I thought, I wonder how many times the word remember, just the simple word remember. There's different variations, remembered, remembereth, you know, things like that. But just the simple word remember, how many times is that in the Bible? And I did a a quick count and I came up with 148 times that simple word remember is used in the Bible. That's a lot. And um, some might say, well, why is it used that many times in the Bible? My only guess is perhaps that many of us have such poor memories that we need to be reminded. We need to be told to remember. A biblical scholar once said these words, listen carefully, God gives and God forgives. Whereas man gets and man forgets. I thought it was well put. You and I, we've been the recipients of so much of God's goodness. Oh, don't for a moment ever say you haven't. You hear once in a while someone say, well, what's God ever done for me? Such a person is a fool, or at least they're acting foolish. God has been so good to us. We've received so much of his his goodness because of his love and his mercy and his tender pity that he has toward us, his creatures. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that God maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. When I was a young boy, I didn't understand those words and I sort of thought that rain is something good and I'm sorry, the sun is something good because you can go out and play in the sun. But when it's rainy, you know, that's something bad because then you have to stay indoors. Some mothers think that the sun is wonderful and the kids can get out of the house. I didn't understand what Jesus was saying. All you have to do is go ask any farmer. What do you think about the sun and the rain? Which one is good? Which one is bad? He'd, He'd shake his head. He'd say, they're both good. Neither one is bad, they're both good. We need them both. Every farmer knows that. And that's the truth. And what's more, God is an impartial God and he sends the sun and the rain, both those blessings, upon the saved and the lost, the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the wicked. 
The Lord is very impartial that way. If God only sent the sun and the rain upon the righteous and the saved, most of the world would die. But God is a God of love and pity and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness. He's a wonderful God. I'm so glad he's not a mean old man up on a throne with a big long stick. Aren't you glad? The times in my life when I think that God just should have just closed the book on me. Just be done with this fellow. And yet God let me live. He let me get through it. He waited patiently while I learned a lesson. It's almost like the patience you need to train a small child to walk or to pronounce certain words or work with a a young child uh, with their mathematics homework and show them the simple mathematics and you work with them and God works with us and God is, is very loving and patient and kind and you know what? He's not willing that any should perish. That means to die and go to hell. He's not willing. People do it. They end up in hell, but it's not because God has willed it. He instead would rather all to come to repentance. But yet not everyone does. All you need to do is read the book of Revelation and you're going to find out that there will be a a world full of people that would rather bite their tongue, grit their teeth, rather than to repent. What a crazy world we live in. The psalmist in chapter 42 here and verse 6, he says, Therefore will I remember thee. Therefore will I remember thee. And so... I'd I'd like to remind you today, don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. There are three basic things that you and I should always try to remember and not to forget. Here they are. Number one, don't forget to remember the special seasons in your life. The special seasons in your life. Now turn to um, chapter 68, Psalm 68, just a few pages over. Psalm 68. And I'd like you to read with me verse number 19. Psalm 68, 19. Okay, everyone ready? Big loud voice, let's read it together. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. And the word selah is a word you'll find in the Psalms. And it means to sort of stop and think about that. Think about that. Stop. Consider it. Blessed be the Lord who daily, did you catch that? Daily loadeth us with benefits. You know, there's a song in our hymn book. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Now that's a good habit to get into. Because there's a little trick the devil uses, and he's used it on me more than once, and maybe he's used it on you. And the trick of the devil is to get us to forget about all of the good things, about all of the daily benefits that God has given us, all of the wonderful things we've received, and then to just concentrate on one or two lousy things that have happened to us. That's a trick of the devil, my friends. Look to the right, please. Psalm 103. 
Psalm 103. And verse 1, they put that to some music. And uh, it goes something like, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's all of the song I know. But the rest of the psalm goes on to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Count them here. That's number one. Who healeth all thy diseases. That's number two. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. That's number, what is it? Three. All right, you're with me. Who crowneth thee with loving kindnesses and tender mercies. That's number four. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's number five. You know, someone gives you a rose and that's wonderful but then you catch your finger on the thorn and you say, oh, hey, listen, just be thankful you were given a rose. God has blessed you with children and then the kids went and did something that made you upset. Just be thankful that God gave you the children. Don't forget to remember the special seasons in your life. That wonderful person that you married Maybe so many years ago, you stood at the altar and you were beaming. Your face was numb. You smiled so much that day. There the two of you were. and People were taking pictures and rejoicing and shaking hands. And you had a, a meal with them. And you began life together. Whatever happened. Now you look at each other and say, Hey! Oh, listen, if God has blessed you with a significant other, a husband or a wife, be thankful. We won't turn there, but in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Two chapters later, two chapters later, in chapter 16, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and already they've forgotten the miracle. And he said to them these words, he said, Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the five thousand and how many baskets ye took up? It's amazing how many times we forget the blessings God gives us. I tell you, we, we can't afford to forget the special seasons, the blessings, the benefits that God gives us. And we really honestly do need to count our many blessings. If you tend to be a bit of a grump, sit down with a pen and paper. Counsel yourself. Say to yourself, okay, grump, we're going to figure this out together. Let's just see what you've got to be thankful for. You may want to pray and ask God to help you. And you'll start filling up your page with blessing after blessing. You know, not everyone is clothed and in their right mind today. There are so many people that are out of their mind and ripping their clothes apart. Not everyone has the health and strength and the ability to come to church. There's so many that are just in sick beds and just long. They just wish they could, they could come to church. I'll tell you something. 
Selfishness and greed absolutely destroy thankfulness. No question about it. But it doesn't stop there. Selfishness and greed not only destroy thankfulness, but they dull the memories of good things. People that are selfish and greedy, they're not counting their blessings. They're just gorging in as much as they can. Young people, especially, I think, should get in the habit of remembering the wonderful things that God has done for them on a day-by-day basis. Now, I'm going to show you a verse of Scripture. It's important for all of us, but especially maybe for the young people. If you turn, please, a few pages past Psalms and Proverbs, you're going to get to Ecclesiastes. I want you to go there to chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and myself are becoming close friends these days. But I want you to look at verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy, what's that next word? Youth. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not. Say, what's he talking about? You'll find out. Nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Uh, still not sure I get it. What, what's he talking about? Well, let's take a look. It's an amazing description of growing old. Verse 2, While the sun or, or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened. You know, there, there's a, sort of a, a lack of joy here. Kind of an emotional gloom. He says, Nor the clouds return after the rain. Then he he talks about the hands and arms in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. You know someone with shaky hands? Could be you one day. He goes on and says, and the strong men, those are your legs, and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease. Can you guess what those are? Those are your teeth. The grinders are the back ones and they go first. And you're always left, you know, with the front ones usually, unless someone knocks them out. But your grinders go first. The grinders cease because they are few. They're gone. And, and those that look out of the windows be darkened. Those are your eyes. They can't see as well as they used to. And the doors, uh, sh- the doors shall be shut in the street. And that's the idea of the, you can't hear communication. And uh, what did you say? Huh? I still can't hear you. Um, When the sound of the grinder grinding is low, this is definite hearing loss. And he shall rise up at the voice of the, the bird. That's trouble sleeping. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Can't sing a note anymore. Singing voice is shot may not even be interested in music like he used to be. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high. So going up high places. Whereas they used to be able to run up a ladder. Now, uh uh-uh, not going up that ladder. Too high. (laughs) My son Jonathan came up with an invention. I said, what is it? He said, it's an eight-foot stepladder that's only two feet tall so that you're not afraid to fall off it. And I thought, brilliant. Make me one. 
because I think I need it. Where do we leave off here? Um, that which is high. Look at that. The fears shall be in the way. Those are obstacles. And the almond tree shall flourish. That's the gray hair. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. That We say the mole hill has become a mountain. Little things that never used to bother you now are obstacles, they're problems, they're burdens. And desire shall fail. Essentially general pleasures, things you used to have pleasure in, fail. Because man goeth to his long home. Can you guess what that is? His long box. And the mourners go about the street. There's your funeral. Listen to me. If you can get up and walk and run, if you can sleep through the night, if you have sufficient energy through the day, if you're not in need of daily medications, if your joints are pain-free, oh, remember to be ever so thankful to Almighty God for His manifold blessings. Can I get an amen? By the way, while we're remembering God, don't forget to remember certain other people that God has put into your life. Birthdays and anniversaries are opportunities to remember our family and our friends. Mother's Day, Father's Day are opportunities to remember your parents. So point number one, don't forget to remember special seasons in your life. Point number two, don't forget to remember your salvation. Don't forget to remember your salvation. If you're saved, if you're born again into the family of God, if there's been a time in your life when you repented of your sin, which was taking you to hell, by the way, and you prayed to Jesus Christ and asked him to come into your heart and life, to be your Savior and your Lord, you've been given the greatest gift in all eternity. You really have. And yet, believe it or not, Many Christians forget that they are privileged to be part of the greatest family ever, God's family. They have forgotten their salvation. You say, is it possible? Yes, I want you to see it. Turn to the New Testament book of 2 Peter. It's near the end. 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. The book of 2 Peter is essentially written to warn us about being, being um, wary of or beware of false teachers. It's a very well-written epistle on this and written by the Apostle Peter. And he starts, uh, I'll just sort of pick up in verse 5, and he's telling us, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, then patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. Verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, the idea is to superabound. If these things are in you, what things? Well, we just named them. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things are in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many 
shriveled Christians in the world. Shriveled because they just don't have enough Bible knowledge. They've been saved for years, but you know, the Bible says that our soul is supposed to be fat. We're supposed to have fat souls. I don't know so much about the body part of it, but the soul part is you're supposed to gorge on the Word of God and spiritual things, and spiritually you're supposed to have a fat soul. That's a good thing. Some of us are like toothpicks, spiritual toothpicks. When we need to be fat and flourishing, so if these things are in you, you will be a flourishing Christian, abounding with fruit. But if these things are not in you, then look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. The idea of blind here is the idea of mixed and cloudy. It doesn't mean totally 100% blind. They say that there's maybe 15... Oh, I forgot what the... Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot what the statistic is there. I won't tell you, but there's tens of millions of blind people in the world. But only about 2% are actually 100% blind. They can't see anything. All of the rest of the people that are classified as blind can actually see lights and shadows and things. And they have some, some sight in one eye or the other, but they're not totally 100% blind. We dealt with this, actually, come to think of it, a couple of months ago, this subject. This idea is more of, um, of, of cloudy. They, they can't see. They can't see afar off. In, in fact, that's what it says in verse 9. Uh, he's blind and cannot see afar off. Some of you that wear glasses or, or you have contact lenses, do you need them to see close or do you need them to see far? If you need them to see Close, that means you're near, no, you're, you're farsighted. If you need them to see far, that means you're nearsighted. So if you take off your glasses and things around you are nice and clear, but everyone else looks blurry, that means you're nearsighted. Your sight is near. You can't see far off. You can only see close to you. And that's what this verse says. It means that you're, if these things are not in you spiritually, you're nearsighted. You can't see afar off. You can't see the trouble coming. You may not be able to see the forest for the trees. This verse is very important. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath, what's that next word? Forgotten. He doesn't remember. He's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This is a Christian who's forgotten his salvation. To me, that's a sad state to be in. Paul warned of this in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, and he gave a warning to Christians when he said these words. He said, how shall we escape? He's talking to Christians. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, he's not saying forget, but you may as well have. And there are Christians that don't pay much attention to their salvation. They don't give it much heed. I'm not saying to protect it and, and care for it in case they should lose it. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying that if you neglect your salvation, you will stand before God one day, you know that, and you'll give account. A pastor that is now dead, he's in heaven. 
when his boy was young, this is many years ago, his boy wanted a bicycle in the worst way. A lot of pastors are broke. I know all about that. And they can't always do for their families what they would like to do. And so this pastor and his wife, they talked about this and their boy really wanted a new bicycle more than anything he wanted a new bicycle. All his friends had bicycles, new ones. He wanted one. And so the pastor and his wife talked about it. What can we do here? Well, maybe we can scrimp and save and cut some corners here. They finally figured out how they could buy a brand new bicycle for their son. And so his birthday was coming up and they went and they bought this brand new bicycle for him. They brought it home. And uh, on his birthday, when he got up, they led him into the garage and there was the brand new bicycle. And the boy was just ecstatic. He was over the moon with happiness new bicycle and he got on it and he proudly rode this thing all around. He was so thrilled, so excited. Well, a couple of weeks went by and dad came home from church and he tried to pull in the driveway, but he couldn't because there was a beat up bicycle in the way. And he stopped his car and he got out and he looked at it. This was the bicycle that he and his wife had scrimped and saved and cut corners for to buy and give as a gift to their son who desperately wanted it. And there it was. A few of the spokes were broken. The rim was a little bit bent on one of the wheels where he'd gone through a huge pothole. The thing was muddy. Uh, the handlebars had a little bend on them. I mean, he, the kid had really turned it into a mountain bike, just about thrown it off the mountain. And so he picked up this beat-up bicycle that he had poured his heart and soul into getting set it to one side, parked his car, and called for his son. And there was a day of reckoning to be had. Now, the son did not cease to be the son of the father. He was still, still the father's son. Nothing changed. But boy, he was in trouble for the way he treated that gift. And that's what's going to happen to many Christians. When they finally do get to heaven, they stand before Jesus. It's not going to be... Uh, <laughs> maybe as happy as they had thought when they had ignored their salvation, they neglected their salvation, they forgot their salvation. Folks, if you're saved, you have a brand new life. You're not the old creature anymore. You're brand new, Christ-made uh, creature. And you have to live that way. You are a son or daughter of the highest. The story is told of an old tramp who would live by the side of the road over in England and he'd try and eat a crust of bread and, and drink a little bit of water out of the brook wherever he could. And he was just a vagabond, a tramp, a bum, raggedy clothes. He stunk. That was his life. One day, the royal limousine pulled up. The window came down and he recognized it's the queen. The queen got out of the car and said, I want to adopt you as my son. And the tramp couldn't believe his, his ears. He, he said, it can't be, it can't be. And the queen said, oh yes, it can be. From this day forward, I want you to be my son. Will you accept? He said, oh yes. Well, come on, get in the car. And the old tramp, he got into the limousine. Sure enough, they went to the palace. The gates opened and all the guards bowed. The limousine pulled up. The guards, the doorman came, opened the door for them and they got out and the tramp is just amazed with what he sees. 
And the queen says, this way, this way, young man. And the tramp is following the queen in on the beautiful carpets, in through the, the doors, gorgeous palace, royalty. And the queen said, this man is my head butler. He will take you from here. And so the butler said, <clears throat> this way, sir. And so the tramp looks around, follows the butler, and they go through a door and upstairs and through a hallway and they come into a beautiful bedroom. And the tramp said, hmm, who lives here? And the, the, uh, the butler said, this will be your living quarters, sir. Wow, beautiful bed. This way, sir. And he leads him through another room, the gorgeous big uh, bathroom on Brigon Suite. And the butler said, would you mind taking your clothes off, sir? And the tramp looks around. What, here, now? Uh, sir, yes. And so very reluctantly, the tramp takes off his old smelly, rat-infested clothes. And the butler says, would you now get in the bath, sir? And, and the man says, here now, he says, I haven't had a bath in all my life. And the butler said, I know, sir. Would you please get in? The tramp gets in. There's bubbles up to his nose. And uh, the butler helps to scrub off years of dirt and grime and everything. And the old tramp, you know, and while in the tub, he gives him a bit of a shave and everything. Finally, you know, the oh, tramp's not used to that. And he gets out and he's all clean now and they dry him all off. And uh, he turns and says, where's my clothes? And the butler said, in the incinerator, sir, we've had them burned. <gasps> what am I going to wear? Here are your new clothes, sir. And he looks, and there's a gorgeous suit, gorgeous shirt, silk socks, beautiful patent leather shoes. He says, I'm going to wear that precisely, says the butler. And anyhow, they get them all decked out. Wow, he looks good. What now, says the, the tramp. This way, sir, for your meal. And so they take him down to the the dining room table and there at the far end is sitting the queen and he sits on this end and anyhow he's grumbling and mumbling oh be my son she says oh come and live with me in the palace yeah already i've had to take a bath and i gotta wear all of these monkey clothes he says and he looks down on the table and there's all of these uh, knives and forks and glasses and plates and uh he's just lost doesn't know what to do and the butler's trying to, uh, to show him what fork to use and what glass to use and that sort of thing. And he says, wait a minute here. He says, there was a time when I, I slept under the bridge. There was a time when, when I had a crust to eat and a drink out of the brook. Now I've got to maneuver my way all through this menagerie just to have, just to have something to eat. And the butler says, precisely. You know, becoming the queen's daughter cost him nothing. But living like royalty now costs him something. Getting saved, getting born again into God's family cost you nothing. But now to live like a child of God is going to cost you something. And that's the thrust of point two. Don't forget to remember your salvation. You're part of God's family now. 
Don't live like you're part of the devil's family. You've left all that life. You've got a brand new life in Christ. Live like what you are. A child of the king. Remembering your salvation will help keep you walking close with the Lord from day to day. It'll remind you that this world is not your home and that you're not to put your roots down too deeply in this world. It'll remind you that your life has been purchased with the blood of Christ and that you have a new master. Remembering your salvation will keep you growing stronger as a Christian. And so, point number two, don't forget to remember your salvation. Point number three, and we're done. Don't forget to remember your Savior. Now this is a little different. And for this, I invite you to turn to the right in your Bible to the book of Revelation in chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Chapters 2 and 3 were written to the seven churches in Asia. Seven churches, each one got a letter. The last church to receive a letter in chapter 3 was the church of Laodicea. And I'd like you to look please at verse 20. The words of the Lord Jesus in his letter to this church at Laodicea. Notice what he says in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It would seem that the church of Laodicea forgot the Savior. And he's pictured as standing on the outside knocking. What does this mean? Well, a good application for you and I today is this, that when we Christians get so busy raising the children, when we get so busy going to work and trying to climb the corporate ladder, when we get so busy trying to fix all the broken things around the house, and careful with this, but when we get so busy going to church, be careful with this one, it's possible to begin to forget about a loving Savior. The very first church he addressed in chapter 2 had that problem. You've left your first love. Born again, yep. On their way to heaven, yep. They forgot the Savior. Is that possible? Do you remember when Jesus was born and when he was 12 years old, his mom and dad took him to Jerusalem and they were there for the festivities and then coming back in the crowds After about a day journey, day's worth journey, Mary's looking around, Joseph's looking around, Mary looks at Joseph, Joseph looks at Mary. Have you seen Jesus? No. Have you seen Jesus? No. They left them behind in Jerusalem. Have you ever left your kid behind? It doesn't happen often, I'm sure. But have you ever left your kid behind? Maybe you're going out of the house, you get in the car, forgot something. It's happened where you get left behind. It's happened. The psalmist David wrote these words in Psalm 20, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. In Psalm 63, he said, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. You might be saying, Pastor, how can I know? How can I know if... Somehow I'm forgetting my Savior. Is it possible? How can I know? Well, one way 
you can know is that if you purposely forget to have your daily devotional quiet time alone with God every day, if you're purposely forgetting to do it, then yes, my friend, you've forgotten him. Another way is that if you purposely, on purpose, forget to attend the monthly communion service, then yes, our communion table is over here to one side and once a month we bring it over here in front of the pulpit. But the words on the communion table are taken right from the Bible. Do you know them? Say them out loud with me. This do in remembrance of me. And when we purposely forget that, then yes, we are forgetting our Savior. So that is definitely one way of knowing. There's an old legend about how a a certain flower got its name. There's a flower called the forget-me-not, and it's a very pretty blue color, the forget-me-not flower. There's an old legend that says many hundreds of years ago, a blue-eyed young man and his girlfriend were walking by a river over in Germany that flowed into the mighty Rhine River. The girl saw a lovely blue flower growing just by the water's edge. The bank of the river was very steep and the water was moving very swiftly. Oh, she said, the beautiful flower. I will get it for you said the brave young man. And so he sprang over the side of the steep bank and catching hold of the shrubs and bushes made his way down by the edge of the water there where the flower was growing. Steadying himself, he used both hands to try and tear the plant from the earth so that he could get all of it for her because she was up there on top of the bank looking down watching him. But something went wrong, and as he pulled the flower from the earth, he fell backward into the swift waters. And in, in, in a moment, he knew he was going to die because he could not swim. And as the waters were carrying him out, he cried back to her, Forget me not! And the waters soon carried him into the Rhine River, where he went over the falls to his death. And she never did forget her blue-eyed friend, who lost his life trying to get her that flower. Forget me not, forget me not, she would say over and over, until all of the townspeople where she lived started calling the little blue flower by this name, forget me not. Now these little blossoms, these little flowers, called forget-me-nots. They're called that all over the world. And whether this story is true or whether it's just a legend, what is true is that the little blue flower couldn't have had a more pretty name. It's a wonderful little name. Did you know that 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ left heaven, left the beauty and glory of heaven, and came to this old world and died on an old rugged cross for your sins and for my sins. Did you know that? And did you know that that old rugged cross, which means death, that's what it means, folks, death. That old rugged cross upon which Jesus died has come to mean something special. 
to all Christians all over the world. It's almost as if he gave it to us as a token of remembrance of him and his love for us. Remember at the communion service, he said, this do in remembrance of me. And so whatever you do, don't forget to remember your Savior. My Christian friend, is it possible that you may have forgotten some of these things here? Is it possible that you've forgotten your quiet time with God every day? Is that possible? Why don't you come and ask God to give it back to you? Why don't you come on the invitation? If you're here and you've never actually met the Savior, you can do that today. Did you know he's knocking on your heart's door? May I come in? If you're here today and you've never been born again, you can do that. If you will realize your sin is sending you to hell and that only Jesus can save your soul. Let's stand to our feet for a moment of prayer, shall we?